Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. Today we're going to talk about PTSD, and at the end of PTSD Awareness Month, we'll we'll roll that up and we'll have a quick discussion about what PTSD is and some impacts and maybe a little bit of a perspective to share. You know, we're not professionals here, but, you know, as it says, which we'll find out later, I think 85%, no, 8% of Americans will, will uh, experience PTSD at some point. In the last, there goes my bad eyesight. The, with the condition more common among women. So this is, a, you know, like we talked about anxiety disorder hits 20% of, you know, 19, 20% of people, you know, PTSD is 8% and there's some overlap, you know, with multiple conditions, but, you know, this is a serious issue, 8%, that's 8 out of 100. That's, you know, not insignificant. It's 1 right. out of 10, essentially. Yeah. If you've got 11 people in a room, one of them has is dealing with PTSD, kind of on average. So it's so it's something to be dealt with. But you know, before we get to that, we're, you can always find us at latenightlove.us, and you can always send us uh, questions and your lovey letters at love at latenightlove.us as well. But before we get to that, it's been a long week, at least for me anyway. I've been I haven't been sleeping well. I've got you know big projects coming, and it's. it's stressful i suppose and it maybe it does dovetail into ptsd a little bit you know the last year has been stressful for us shall we say you know a year ago i was in the hospital at this time give or take a month i was in the hospital right about now it's probably in my second trip to the hospital right yes yeah right about now and then you know, a couple months later, I was essentially blind, spent months blind. And, you know, and as you come out of that, it can be difficult to find your footing. You know, and that's its own form of PTSD. And I don't know. I don't want to call it that because when we all think of PTSD, we think of uh, people with severe issues. We think of the war vets and, and you know, uh, violence, victims. Uh, crime violence, survivors, and that kind of thing. But the reality is, you know, anything that can cause you stress and that the re result of that stress changes your perspective and outlook on life in a negative way could be considered PTSD. And, you know, so when we talk about mindfulness, we talk about minding yourself and focusing on yourself, we mean it. What do I got? No, my hair is being unwieldy. Yeah, my hair is being unwieldy today. I just actually need a haircut. Um, little hair trim. I need to take an inch off. But anyway, so it's a... Life can be have difficult transitions. And it doesn't matter where you are in life, how old you are, how young you are, what you've accomplished or haven't. It. These transitions can smack you in the face. And... You know, at some point, the stress can become too much. 
and it leaves uh, echoes in your life. And if you're not careful, those echoes can not only hurt you, but hurt your community and your family and those you care most about. Because, you know, human nature is kind of a strange thing. We take these have a tendency to take our stresses out on those who make us feel safest. You know, you vent and you outlet on the person you love the most and the person who isn't safe. And that's damaging to a, a relationship long term. You know, hey, relationship, that's what you're there for time to time, right? Sure. <laughs> but, you know, if it becomes a habit, if it's a way of life, it, it, it sucks the life out of a relationship. So anyway. You're so funny. You do it and then you come back and apologize like five minutes later. <laughs> Well, <laughs> it makes me feel bad. So anyway, so we're going to go here. We want to thank the Mighty for uh, the work they've done, they do on these kinds of issues. So you can go to themighty.com, I think it is. Yeah. And they have all kinds of resources on a wide variety of mental health uh, issues. So, so post-traumatic stress disorder that occur after experiencing a traumatic event. And that traumatic event can be anything, right? We, we like to think of war or, or uh, violence, but it, it can be any emotional event. 8% of Americans, and there goes, we just, we talked physical, emotional abuse, natural disasters, crime, even medical trauma, like we discussed. There's treatment options, therapy, medications, lifestyle changes, and, you know, there's, and what is it? Um, so, man, I can't pronounce this word. Psilocybins, magic mushrooms in controlled substance, in controlled amounts, is what I'll call it. <laughs> the controlled application of magic mushrooms has shown actually some great progress in dealing with PTSD. Something about it resets some pathways or something. They're, they're still figuring it out, but it has some real success. You know, not that I'm, I would actually suggest people go out and play around with magic mushrooms. But this is in a clinical controlled environment. Yeah, but you know, if you're suffering from PTSD, it's something to look at. And many states and cities are actually now it's legal. Uh, Colorado, I think. And so California may have just passed a law. So there's there's places where it's you know you're now able to try alternative healthcare options for these kind of issues. And so, but always make sure you deal with it in a, in a controlled medical fashion with the professionals. You don't take advice from people on the internet. We're just giving you potential options for you to look into and for to ask about. That's our role here. Okay. So we are discuss what is symptoms, you know, like uh, flashbacks, people talk about flashbacks and awareness. I guess it's the big one. I had, I had them after my first divorce. Mm -hmm. It was a violent marriage. And going past our old neighborhood was particularly difficult. Yeah, can you imagine like driving past an old place you live or something, driving an old street? It, it brings up old memories, right? I'd have panic attacks. 
Unless driving, it was a real fun. Yeah, and it's completely natural, right? Because we talk uh, symptoms of PTSD mimic other health conditions like depression, anxiety, because you get a panic attack, and so you know if you're not self-aware enough to realize where it's coming from, you you, you may never find out what the real trigger is, and because you know you don't understand. You know, difficulty regulating emotions, distrust of the world, suicidal idolation, what you call it, disassociation. We'll, we'll, you know, is, is, a, is a, a quick word to say that where you just disassociate from the world. You're no longer really connected to the world around you. And so anyway... And so many of us, if not most of us, will have some period in our life where PTSD is a uh, potential, is a danger. It's a real danger because we all go through these things in our lives. None of us get out of these things. And it's not uncommon for his symptoms to appear months or sometimes years after the trauma has ended. Yeah, because... And you may even have essentially forgotten about the trauma, but because you're in a safe space in life, you know how sometimes the brain is a, is a wonderfully mysterious place. When you feel safe, when you finally feel safe, your brain says, oh, we can deal with this trauma now. And so no, it smacks you in the face. Because you actually felt safe. It's a strange thing, right? Because when you finally feel safe, when you finally feel in a place that's safe, that you can feel like your body and your brain and your mind feels like it can, okay, I can safely deal with what's going on now. You know, it's like snapping a rubber band. I, not from a PTSD perspective, but you dealt with that. That's kind of what I think is your uh, trips to the, to the hospital. I think you finally found a place that was safe and you finally was able to deal with some stuff that hadn't been dealt with stress you know kind of ways and i was a single mom for 10 years yes it was very stressful and the ptsd and all the various things and you finally got some place where you felt safe where you felt your daughter was safe and your mind said it's time to deal with all this other stuff it's time to take a different approach it's kind of what i've come to kind of conclude with that Fourth of July weekend around my neighborhood. It's always fun. <laughs> I don't know if the microphone picked it up, but there was a big firework boom right just outside. It's quite common for us around this neighborhood. So triggers are very unpredictable, and they can be overwhelming. So we've got a handful of things. Do you have this one brought up down on your thing? So you can read them because it's easier. My eyesight, I can almost, I can read it off that screen, but it's, I have to. It's close. Where are you? Scroll down. Scroll down. Scroll down. Oh, just before. Okay. Yeah, there we go. All right, I'm going to put this up on the thing. So while that's on the thing, you read those five. Let's take care of those five things. Okay. Now, this is to learn more about misconceptions. We reached out to the Marty community to learn what they wish others knew about PTSD. Here's what they had to say. PTSD triggers are very unpredictable. What you can manage today can be overwhelming tomorrow. Oh, that's true. 
Sometimes a place, you're, per you're perfectly fine with it. And then the next time, it brings back memories. It sucks. Yeah, and, and it's just, and who knows why, right? There's no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. It just is. Please stop assuming that if I have PTSD, it's due to military background. There are many, many other ways to get PTSD, but it's embarrassing when people say military and you have to say no. Yeah, because then you have to, you know, it's hanging. Okay, kind of what, what caused it? Why would you want to talk about it? Yeah. You know, to be, for most people, that's their experience with it. And that's what they know. That's what they see. That's what the movies have shown. That's what the TVs have shown. And so that's what they know. So it's, it's in a sense, it's not their fault. And it's sad that, you know, normal, the rest of us kind of have to carry that burden. But here's what I like to think of it. At least they're aware that PTSD exists. To start. Someplace to start. That's why I try to look at that. You know, I can get it as it's to be annoying to be confused with a veteran who suffered, you know, a shell shock and simply can no longer function in the world with someone who's has a medical PTSD condition because of, you know, a long-term medical issue and, or been mistreated by doctors or something. And so you can no longer, you know, that various times, types of PTSD, you don't want to compare the two, right? While they're comparable, you don't want to be the one who says, I, it's not the same thing. You know, it's not the same experience. They're both real and they're both, but they're just so different that you don't want to compare them. You don't want to be the one that says, no, a Vietnam vet who can no longer function in society is different than me or you, right? Yes. And so it's, so it's, that's why it's so uncomfortable to be, con, you know, to be confused with someone who's military service because there's a difference and we want to honor that difference. Everybody does. So anyway, okay. The exhaustion and fatigue that comes with the constant fighting within your soul, heart, mind, and body, fighting to survive and function. Uh huh. What's the last one? Why was that the last one? What? Was that the last one? No, PTSD is real and it's not going away just because my trauma was some time ago. Yeah, the, the length of time, as we talked about earlier, sometimes you cannot even realize there's PTSD until a decade later when you're in a safe space to deal with it. Yes, as we will read in other articles that we have, uh, other talking points, avoidance is one of the... Uh, survival strategies. Yeah. It's a survival strategy is what it is. It's it's a survival strategy, and I don't think we should diminish that. It's survival. There's, you know, youth. Now, whether it's the appropriate strategy for the moment or not is an open question for each individual, but it is a survival strategy. And, quest, and quite frankly, if they have survived, it was successful. It's hard to get away from it, you know? It's, it just is. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and, and move on. So there's... Five myths. We're going to hit these five myths. Lovey loves lists. So we're going to do these five myths. 
Myth number one. Ready to move on. PTSD is an invisible disease. It's all in someone's head. Why <laughs> don't I have the five myths up? I don't know. Uh, the absence of symptoms, right? It's like just because you can't, you know, someone has a broken liver, you can't see it. Oh, yeah. Here we Some, go. Someone has a bad heart, you can't see it. Doesn't mean the heart isn't bad. And PTSD, just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not real. And you know, you and can, can you see diabetes? No. Yeah. So it's just like any of these other things. Myth number two. Most people who are exposed to trauma will develop PTSD. That is false. The length of time that symptoms persist is key for diagnosing PTSD. The diagnostic definition of PTSD requires the, the symptoms persist longer than 30 days. That's with others. What the other what we confuse that is is what they call a, acute stress disorder, and it's the the brief period of psychological stress following a tra a traumatic event. So the key is, does it hang with you? You know, can you get do you get through it and move on, or does it hang with you? That's the key. And you know, sometimes it's and there's no easy line. You know, some things that would push one person over the edge doesn't push another. And sometimes it's a buildup of experiences and why that particular experience is the one that gets hung up on. Who knows? Okay, myth number three. Only veterans who see combat can develop PTSD. Of course, that's false. Yeah, that's just the easiest one to, it's just the easiest one to see. That's the one we're all associated with. because. And in this, they also dis discuss military sexual trauma. I was in the Army. Um, and I was never pressured, but I, I was, I, I can't say I was, I was pressured, but I never had a violent experience. Um, but the har sexual harassment is constant. You got one woman for a hundred guys and you're all like 18. Your hormones are going crazy. Yeah, and it's and you and back in the late seventies, you would hope it's better today, but you you wonder how much better it really is. Yeah, that was in the seventies. Mm -hmm. Women were just starting to go into the military. Yeah, well, it's, and they wouldn't have always been in the military, but they always used to serve in in nursing roles. That was kind of all they ever did. It was the healthcare roles. I was yeah. I was on the flight line, helicopter weapons repair. Yeah, and, and yours was a kind of the the first, maybe the second. The second wave, right? You weren't the real first wave of the front line. Well, front line. No, I was not the first. But but you were kind of the second wave of the of that group. So the the bigger wave was the second. You know, you had the first wave in the early seventies. You kind of came through in the late seventies. But that's its own trauma, right? You're sitting there trying, in a sense, you being on those in the front lines of a cultural shift like that. That's its own. Potential traumas, we'll call them potential traumas. Okay, myth number four. You have to experience extreme violence to get PTSD. And that is false. According to Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition, PTSD can occur if a person experiences, witnesses, or is confronted 
was an event or events that involved actual or threatened death or serious injury or a threat to the physical integrity of self or others. Yeah, and some of the statistics are, you know, make sense. It makes sense that essentially half of, of rape victims get develop PTSD. That makes sense. Quite frankly, it seems a little low, but it makes sense. But 25, almost 25% of women diagnosed with breast cancer develop PTSD, which we think doesn't make as much sense because, you know, breast cancer is different, but it's, it's a trauma that, you know, shakes your life. And whether it's violence or health care or, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. And it's not a reflection of the person. It's just, you know, we all have limits. Myth number five. PTSD is a life sentence. And that is, of course, false. The majority of people who struggle with PTSD can find effective relief. Successful treatments for PTSD exist and are evolving every day. Yeah, we can get as high as, they're getting, now getting results up to high 70-80%. And there's even more promising things down the road. So it's not, it's, maybe some of the severe cases might be a life sentence. But for the average person, you're, you can, there's, you have a path through it. Traditional traditional therapies can achieve an estimated sixty percent rate success rate. They require more health care resources and a time commitment from the patient and their support system to put in the mental work of recovery. Now it's not an easy road. No, it's not. And here's a question: Do we want to? I don't think we have time to want to dive into the difference between complex post-traumatic stress disorder and regular PTSD. So you can go to latenightlove.us. Well, we can make it, we can make, make it, it pretty, we can make it a, a, a short one. All right. Well, hey, all right, let's go. Complex PTSD is, um, is usually associated with people who have, to had years and years of continuous um, trauma, usually in childhood in abuse situations, mm-hmm. and the uh, common PTSD is there's usually one traumatic event. A single traumatic event pushes someone over the edge. Yes. Now, because it's interesting. And the the symptoms manifest itself differently. And like Jim said, uh, it's it's on, there is on the website and it's a very good article. Yes, we have many, many, there's many links to this. It's such a complex issue. We actually have a lot of resources linked on our website. You can go, you can click through. And the Mighty does a great job uh, dealing with, uh, with this particular issue. So you can go always go over there. We have links to, to their shows, to their uh, resources. After trauma, let's go. Did you want to cover that one? No, let's go things. Yes, let's do this one. So we're going to go. Do you want to do that one or do we want to go to the? Yeah, no, let's go to that one. All right. So we're going to go to the, the part of this is the most difficult to discuss. Because, you know, 
dealing with sexual trauma and then having a functional relationship after that is it's difficult it's hard to talk about it's hard to talk about in your relationships it's even more difficult to talk about it outside of relationships you know sitting here trying to figure out how do i approach this now and i still don't know and <laughs> I'm making this up as I go along, but in a sense, we all have to do that. And so it's, it's a good thing to do. We have to have these discussions because the other, other option is to not have these discussions. And I can't think of, you know, the only better option than that is to prevent traumas from happening, but we can't do that. I mean, we can prevent them as much as we can, but you're never going to stop it completely. So until we can get there, we have to deal with the consequences. And so there's an article about five things can make sex better, or at least more tolerable for those sexual assault survivors. And this is a tough one, right? We have to, when you talk about these things, it's difficult because it's a, uh, it's a um, land for, full, full of triggers, and I'm not one who generally issues trigger warnings and that kind of thing, but if this kind of thing is something that's difficult for you to hear, now is the time to change and come back next next week when we're talking questions. So I just want to be open to this. This is something that may very well hit some people's triggers, and we don't want to, we want to be kind here. So we're approaching this with kindness and love, and we're going to try to do this as best as we can. Right? Yes. And that was clumsy, but I hope everybody understands where I'm coming from. Okay, so. Okay, the first, she went, this is a, a woman who is a, a survivor, and she um, went to a, um, a sex counselor. And this is what she learned. This is her toolbox. Yeah, and first, she had apparently had been repressing her memories until she was in her 30s, her mid-30s. And so we talk about, you know, the ability to avoid, you know. Yes, for 17 years. So she was, the ability to avoid it, and it just happens. And at some point, she has a husband who cares and loves for her, who she felt safe, and this stuff comes flooding back. You know, it got, the moment your mind and body feels that, hey, I'm in a place where they can be dealt with this now, it forces it to be dealt with. And so, you know, maybe there's something to be said there. You know, if you're in a, if you're in a relationship and now all of a sudden you're having PTSD issues that you didn't have before, maybe it's because you feel safe. Yeah, something to think about before we go down this road. Okay, here we go. Okay, the first tool in her toolbox is to schedule intimacy. And she avoided this for a long time because she felt it was super deflating. And I can totally understand what she's, in, what she's talking about. And it takes the spontaneity. It can take the spontaneity out of it. And... Um, well, it, it and it treats it like a chore, right? In a sense, it's like it's like you know, it's Thursday night. You have to take trash cans out. You know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like a chore. Yeah, but for her, it was taking back control. Mm -hmm. 
she she had felt out of control and she needed to have those that that sense of this is what i i want to do yeah yeah and if that's what it takes and that's what it takes right and again just because these are her ways of doing it doesn't mean that you have to follow the exact same path but it's the mindset, right? She, she found some way to take her control back, right? To at least feel like she's in some kind of control of it. And if it's scheduling, it's scheduling. If it's something else that works for you, it's something else that works for you. But, you know, it's think of the underlying importance of what she was trying to do, taking her control back, right? Yes. Okay. okay. And her number two is self-care. Um hers has a lot to do with physical because if she doesn't feel comfortable in her body she cannot remain fully present and in the moment during sex and she also has to be careful about what she watches before leading up to sexual intimacy yes because remember she probably doesn't want to watch some of those, you know, crime dramas that before, because then her mind's in the wrong space. You know, something like that. Uh, something with the, you know, add a lot of violence. She probably wants to keep it, keep it light. I would, I would suspect. I don't, don't know. She doesn't specify, but you know, knowing yourself, knowing how to keep yourself there, present in the moment, and how to keep your mind in the, you know, away from negative thoughts type thing. Yeah, practice routine self-care to make good sense. Staying in the moment is a big, big one. It's a it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Easily distracted. So I can see how the the mind the mindset really plays a big role in that. Yeah. yeah so you know if you if your mind is wandering before it's going to be wandering during so yeah so keeping your mindset focused okay okay boundaries now um her boundaries include um avoiding triggers which means her husband has to be freshly showered shaved teeth brush and it isn't any wearing any lotion or cologne so she's got obvious something with some kind of smells and odors that triggers her yes really. yes yeah i'm yeah. unclean yeah and so and clearly her husband doesn't take it personally so if he realizes it's not about him it, so he's okay you know it's a good healthy relationship Now, she also has to have the room temperature just right. Huh. I wonder if that's a distraction thing. Probably. And there are certain behaviors. um, And she said figuring it out took trial and error. But he worked, they worked together. And they, um, 
now they are able to avoid what a somatic flashback. Uh, no, I can understand it. You want to think in, in a healthy sex life that there's, you know, having to kind of walk on eggshells is, you know, difficult, but you do what you have to do, right? For the person you love. Well, she's willing to try. Yeah. Well, and the only problem, and it's not even a problem. I shouldn't even describe it as a problem. The It would seem that it would get a little routine, but, you know, routine has its, for her, routine is a comfort, clearly. The routine is brings her comfort. And this is just for now. Well, maybe, maybe not. She may grow. Maybe, maybe not. You have to, as a, as her partner is, you have to accept that she can't. And that's all it's ever going to be. And you do. Because that's what you do, right? Yeah. You know, you're in it for a penny and for a pound type of thing. You, you know, well, you, everybody has boundaries, but that's not any place I would draw a boundary. Do you have to, you know, I don't know, you work through these things. It's, uh, well, it's apparently they had a very good, um, sex counselor. Yeah. Because the next one is communication. And this was the hardest for her to, um, to, is, is to talk about sex when you're not engaging in sexual intimacy. Yeah, having those discussions, and it probably would, especially if you have a big, huge triggers like she clearly does. Uh, she needs a sex therapist because it's not right to put her husband in the place of trying to be husband and therapist at the same time. That's just that's amazing. not yeah, yeah, that's not yeah. right. And she felt um, the counselor was was really great. It, it helped her a lot especially in in uh, helping her husband feel deal with some feelings of rejection. Well, because of, it's going to feel, I mean, a lot of this was going to feel like it's going to feel personal. You know, even though it's not, even though you can logically think it's not, it's going to feel personal. You have to, you know, you're having intercourse on, on a schedule and, and, you know, have to walk on eggshells while doing it. It can feel personal. And, you know, he has to work through those issues of getting to the point where it's not personal. And that, you know, is, you know, this is what love means that you deal with these kinds of things. I mean, you accepted the package, you accepted the package. And so, you know, that, quite frankly, in the whole story is the most um, heartwarming thing for me. Is that this relationship, at least superficially from what, you know, she explains, has actually gotten stronger through this, not weaker. Yes. And so these things aren't life sentences. Even if she has to deal with this for the, for the rest of her life, it's not a life sentence. She's found a way through it. She's found someone who's willing to hold her hand on the way through it. She's willing to help her. That's why you have partners. 
there was a, not that this has much to do with it, but there was a question. Um, somebody asked, and I don't remember where, you know, why, why get married or why have a long-term relationship? And that's why, right there. The story we just read is why. So you have someone to help you get through life. And maybe more importantly, that you have someone to help get through life. Yeah. Anyway, this is not a fun show. Because we have to deal with issues that are about trauma and pain. And I don't like talking about trauma and pain. But sadly, trauma and pain is part of life. And it's something we all have to learn to survive. And realize that we can actually thrive on the other side. If you find someone you love. So for me and Levy, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, join us on Saturday because when Levy takes another dive into Reddit and finds us some questions. It's so exciting. <laughs> we'll see you on Saturday night. For me and Levy, thank you for joining us. And please remember to love everybody. Good night.